You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and today we're going back to the movies with a podcast episode about Wonder Woman. Just to fill you in on some background for this episode, I was rearranging the furniture in my office when we recorded this one. Uh, My office is where I do my recording, and my desktop was not hooked up at the time, so I actually installed the recording software that I use on my laptop and used that to record the episode. Well, the problem is that somehow I selected something incorrectly in the settings. So instead of getting multiple streams of audio uh, like I normally do when I record, I only got a single stream that had everyone's voice on it. So I am not able to do the level of editing on this one that I normally do everyone's voice is kind of homogenized together, so I just had to do the best that I could to make everyone sound as good as I could without being able to do individual tracks differently. I don't think it's too much of a problem, but it is noticeable, so I wanted to mention why you might hear some varying quality between the different uh, people speaking. And there are a few points where some noise from one line bleeds over to another, Normally, I'd be able to mute out a particular track during a a certain time segment, but because of this, I'm not able to. But with that being said, now it's time to return you to the podcast already in progress. Let's introduce our cast for this week. So starting off, uh, you know her as an Oxford scholar. She's an expert on J.R.R. Tolkien, and that is my friend Bree. How are you doing, Bree? Hey, everyone. I'm doing pretty good. Just got back from some errands. Oh, okay. And uh, you're heading off to a con uh, later as well, right? Yeah, I leave in two days for VidCon in Anaheim. And for those of you who don't know, that is all about YouTube and online video and such. And that is my career and my industry, so I'm going for business. Oh, okay, cool. So uh, are you presenting or are you going to like listen to, uh, to, to, to panels and, and participate that way? Yeah, I actually have two different roles this year, which is kind of interesting. I'm going for myself, for my own business, for networking purposes, so you know I can potentially get some more clients in the industry. And then I'm also going as a writer to cover it for a publication that can actually be there themselves. Oh, okay. So I'm going to go to a couple panels for that publication, then everything else I get to do what I want to do. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean you can expense it since you're doing it for somebody else? Uh, I can expense it simply because I am doing it for myself, actually. It's just an added bonus that the publication wanted to uh, have me cover it, and they were willing to pay me for it. So, essentially, like, half of my expenses are covered, and then the rest I can just, you know, deduct. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, good to have you back, Bree. Thanks. (laughs) 
Next up, he is an expert on video games. He loves to drink while he podcasts. That is James. How are you doing, James? I'm so good. I started drinking early. There you go. Um, I wanted to ask you, I I get where the on the rocks part comes from, but why is it Roman on the rocks? Oh, man. I wish that was such a creative story. I need to come up with one for it uh, because it wasn't um, a buddy of mine like he took me to go donate plasma and while he's sitting in the waiting room for me to finish up he uh he just got really bored so he's just like so james should have a nickname his last name's ro and he's a man he could be roman roman and i was just like that was your creative process like my last name and the and, and my gender like gee thanks like so good <laughs> See, here's the thing. I was imagining like a Roman legionary and like full regalia, like drinking and playing video games. Right? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good Twitch idea. Yeah. <laughs> You'll just end up being like um, hedonism bot on uh, Futurama. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> So, um, I know last time we talked, uh, you had just gotten a new job. So, uh, anything else new and exciting happened, James? Not really. Um, outside of the new job, looking for a better new job mm. than this job, which was always the intent. But no, other than that, uh, things are good. I started working out recently. That's right. Nerds. Right. Some of us work out. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's been a little, the last three days were really, really painful. And, mm. uh, I expect for the rest of until i stop doing it it'll be painful so 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 are you lifting weights or uh, doing some aerobic exercises or what are you doing so kind of that uh so what i do is i do uh i just bought a new bike so i do a 20 minute bike ride at, as fast as i can at like a running pace uh, mm. i don't try to sprint just because i haven't rode a bike in like four years so <laughs> so yeah on average i'll go for like a 20 minute bike ride um average off about three and a half miles and then uh go home and i will do what are they called uh interval workouts mm. um so interval workouts uh there's the whole study and stuff that i didn't care about i was just like it <laughs> takes less time than a normal workout so uh it's like 15 minutes of high intensity so everything mm. you do you do to like maximum repetitions and stuff and you just put yourself into a lot of pain to you know get results so i've been doing that for the last few days and yeah my body thoroughly hates me <laughs> well that's okay. You're you're beating the stereotype, man. <laughs> Your body's not the only one, James. I mean, uh, but uh, no, that's cool, and it's good to have you back, James. Yeah. And finally, it's it's uh, somebody that I've been wanting to have back for quite a while. Uh, she is that girl with the curls, uh, my bestie, Sam. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing good, Nathan. I got back from Eastern Washington not on, not a couple of hours ago. So, okay. <laughs> wow. so sorry. So has has, has your uh, has your brain caught up with you? Or are you still kind of like you know back down the road a bit? Oh no! I mean, it was just an early get up because my sister, myself, and and the nephew uh, went to my father's place in Chelan, uh, over on the lake, and everything for Father's Day. And yeah, we were just driving back today, so uh, it was just a long day of traffic. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that you could make it. <laughs> yes, I was. That's why I basically asked for this to be as late as possible because I did not know what time we were actually going to get back. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so anything uh, new and exciting happened to you since the last time we talked? Oh, um, I 
I'm trying to remember. Did I think I've just basically gone that girl with the curls at this point? Like the maniacal mm-hmm. geeks a little bit on uh, is in a sort of hiatus limbo type thing right now. Um, just because it's easier to make my podcast than it is to write because writing's hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I do have an article that's going to be coming out on women write on comics. I think this coming week, which I don't know when this is going out, so it. Will probably be out by the time some people listen to this. Um, it's basically like the first in what could be a series of articles uh, deconstructing the animal motifs in Pretty Deadly, the comic book from Image. Oh, okay. No, we can yeah. put that in the show notes for the episode. So uh, yeah, if it's it'll probably be up by the time I get this episode out. So I likely, I just like I didn't right. want. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'll I'll just put it in the show notes. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, it's good to have you back as well, Sam. Yeah. All right. So we all know what time it is now. It's time for five questions. And and for those of you who might be joining us just for this podcast, that's just a way for us to loosen up before we dive into the topic. I have a random number generator spit out five questions that can only have one of two possible answers. And it uh, just uh, gives you a little bit of insight into us and, uh, you know, just allows us to just kind of geek out for a few minutes. Alright, first question. You need to smuggle some goods. Do you make the Kessel Run with Han Solo or wander the verse with Mal Reynolds? Oh! <laughs> that's an impossible question! Um, but you will make uh, it possible. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go with Solo. Solo's gonna be my main squeeze just because I knew him first. Okay. <laughs> Sam? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, with Mal. Uh, I think that the the Serenity has more hiding spots, and they I feel like the Millennium Falcon gets captured a lot more. Mm. So it's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> Bree, I gotta do Han Solo too, just because kind of like James, he's the first first uh, character I was introduced to, and I don't know that that uh, there's something about the way. He does roguish a little bit better in my mind than Mal, so... Yeah, I- I'm going to have to agree with uh, Brie and James because uh, <laughs> yeah, I prefer Han uh, quite a bit. Like Brie, I-, I think that he's a-, a bit more roguish, but also, even though he's been captured quite a few times, he always gets away, whereas Mal lost a war, so... Um. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. You're taking, like, one of the worst days of his life and just turning... (laughs) He's he's just ricking it up right now, like Rick and Morty. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'll go with Han. I I don't think Han Solo won all that many wars either. I mean, he was just part and parcel of a greater war that was started by his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a fair assessment, but you know, he he didn't get he didn't get involved in something that he couldn't uh, you know uh, uh, turn to his advantage. So I still think that shows some smarts on his side. So did Mal. It's called "Don't Stop the Signal." <laughs> <laughs> I will argue this into the ground, Nathan. Okay. <laughs> Just a way to have fun, Sam. Just a way to have no, fun. no, you don't understand. This is highly competitive. Okay, feel <laughs> <laughs> life. All right, we're gonna move there are on. No answers. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on. Question two: It's the best way to get spy series laughs. Would you believe watching Get Smart or Austin Powers is groovy, baby? <laughs> My horrible Mike Myers there. 
I don't know what was better, the options or your voice. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's hard. Um, it's the third question. <laughs> uh, Austin Powers. Yeah. Get smart, dude. Come on. <laughs> now, now, hold on, though. James, why why Austin Powers? So, I, I never saw... I know, I'm horrible for saying this. I've never seen the original Get Smart TV show. Like I've never, I've never been a part of that universe. Like I saw the remake that was just the the movie with Steve right. Carell, right? And I was just like, eh, no, that's funny. Okay, I'm sure there was like original humor in the in the original content, but yeah, I just never saw it. Oh man, my heart. Okay, so Sam, why Get Smart? Because Get Smart was an awesome parody of a spy show, and <laughs> Mel Brooks was a part of it, and Don Adams was amazing, and I don't know why you need any other, you know, reasoning other than that. So. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Bree. Well, unfortunately, I'm going to make your heart hurt a little bit more here because I never saw the original Get Smart either. I was not a big like comedy, like fake spy person. I never even saw Austin Powers, to be honest with you. Oh wow! Because I. That's pretty much just because I don't like Mike Myers. But okay. regardless, <laughs> I did see I did see the remake of Get Smart with um, Carell. And wasn't Anne Hathaway in that, too? Yeah. She yeah. played 99. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was enjoyable. So, obviously, I have very little to go off of. And I've only seen one. So, I, I'm going to say Get Smart. But I could be t- totally wrong since I've never seen Austin Powers. So. No, no. You made the right call. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Sam on this one, and uh, I, 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 James and Bree, I, if if you just like once or twice when it's on TV or whatever, just put on Get Smart because you'll enjoy it. Uh, but but yeah, Get Smart uh, to me, it's it's more of a matter of percentage than anything because while I love the first Austin Powers, I think it's a diminishing returns on two and three that I didn't really care for either one of those whereas just about any episode of Get Smart that you can drop into is 30 minutes of pure laughter or I guess 25 or whatever it is with commercials so um, yeah I, I absolutely adore Get Smart and um and uh, oh god, I'm blanking on his name right now for some reason. The actor um, Don Adams. Don, Don Adams. Yeah. Don Adams is a brilliant comedian, um, and also part of my life as uh, Inspector Gadget, who was basically oh, yeah. was basically um, a Maxwell Smart just with gadgets, you know. So also the voice of Tuxedo Penguin. Oh, I did not know that. Well, now you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Get Smart. Alright, third question. It's time to start a rumble. Marvel or DC? Oh god! Really? (laughs) Um... Nathan's a terrible person. (laughs) Um... It's option C. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Well, for me, I... Uh, I don't like it. I'll say DC mostly because I'm probably a bigger Batman fan than anything. (laughs) No, because I'm probably equally a big Deadpool fan. I hate you, Nathan. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go to DC. I'm okay. just going to say Batman. Always Batman. Okay. <laughs> Always be Batman. All right, Sam. First of all, James, I love you so much. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to have to go DC. I mean, if, if we're talking about, like... I mean, you didn't specify what we're basing this on. Oh, so right, it's not just movies. It's, it's as a whole. But... 
if that's a whole okay so i've always been a dc person first i even have i have barda on my arm i've always loved batman so yeah dc okay <laughs> brief uh, i'm gonna go with dc too so i don't know what you're gonna say nathan but the reason i'm gonna say it is i my first ever comic introduction was batman hmm. um so i fell in love with batman pretty early on and i've my husband and I talk about this a lot. We just like the the odd. I don't. It's not an odd tone, but we like the nature of DC, where it's a little bit grittier. It seems like, and it's also we just kind of like the fact that there are crazy, super powerful beings or just regular people, but they're all trying to make the world a better place, while also kind of like trying to figure out um, themselves. There's a, there's a lot more, we think a lot more like psychologically going on there as opposed to Marvel and that just interests me. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm a Marvel guy through and through. Um, it was the X-Men animated series of the nineties that got me into comics in the first place. And, uh, from there, I, I prefer the fact that Marvel is set in a closer to our world world um i think that that gives them a lot more mileage than when it's a lot of fictional series or uh, cities and uh, fictional like politicians and stuff um and I, I i actually feel like marvel's a little more gritty because there seems to be a lot more conflict at least back in the day i realized that dc with identity crisis and everything else tries to has tried to take on more of that and i don't know what it's like these days but um not good, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that seems to have been baked into Marvel from the beginning. I've read some Golden Age books, and it seems like that was always a part of the Marvel storyline: was people not trusting the heroes and whatnot. And I always I thought that that's a more interesting take. Um, so yeah, I, I prefer Marvel personally. It's gonna be difficult to discuss Wonder Woman with you then. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. I just feel like it will. Be. Okay. <laughs> Um, fourth question. Better social media platform, Facebook or Twitter? Oh, for me lately, I'd say Twitter. Like, I mean, I have been posting on Facebook, but uh, I do like Twitter because it's just, it's short, it's sweet. Like, if I have just something quick to say, like, I can get it out. Um, or, like, a quick, like, quip on a reply or something like that. It's just, it's so much easier um, in terms of, like, simplistic navigation, I guess, you know, to say something. That, and it's linked to my Facebook, so whatever I post on my Twitter automatically goes to my Facebook. Makes my life so much easier. Life hack. (laughs) (laughs) So? Ah, I don't really like a lot of social media platforms in the first place, which I know, like, woo. Um... (laughs) But uh, Twitter's just easier in terms of advertising and being up to date about certain things. So, yeah, I'll just go with Twitter. All right. Bree? Basically, screw Facebook. I okay. I hate Facebooks with a passion, so I will always prefer Twitter over it. And it kind of, I'm super, like, you know, businessy, kind of a businessy geek. So I kind of pay attention to, like, how those two companies are doing. And it drives me up the wall that Facebook's doing so well and Twitter's, like, struggling. So I'm going to be super sad if Twitter ever shuts down. But, oh, well. Mm. It won't. Facebook will buy it. And then they'll be like, now we have Twitter. (laughs) And then I'll be like, no, I can't use Twitter anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
Back to Tumblr and LiveJournal. <laughs> yep. You know, I like LiveJournal. I'm sad that LiveJournal is good because it, <laughs> it seemed like people communicated more whole thoughts with LiveJournal that... I feel like there's a big discussion we had before a podcast <laughs> yeah. once. That's where that true. came up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I miss the days of LiveJournal, but that's another discussion. Um, <laughs> for me, I, I mean, to me, it's kind of like a progression. It's like LiveJournal, then Facebook, then Twitter. I skip MySpace entirely. I never even saw it. But uh, it's like Twitter to me, it's like trying to like, anytime I try to post to Twitter, it's like I try to write something, too many characters. And I have to like go back and try to write it again. Then I have to try and write it again until finally I can get it into that 160 character limit. And like I find Twitter way too limiting, you know, because I usually want to, if I'm going to post something, it's usually more of a thought than fits into that little that little bubble on Twitter. So a lot of times I don't use Twitter at all. I try to use it more since I've started the podcast just because I feel like I ought to be using Twitter as well as Facebook because I know there's some people who absolutely hate Facebook but use Twitter. Um, But uh, yeah, so for me, I I definitely prefer Facebook. Um, I think the moral of the story is think less. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or think smaller. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably... I, I'll, I'll get right on that. Right there. I'll, I'll just I'll just turn the brain down fifty percent. That that should work. I think James's hammer uh, uh, theory would work on yeah. that one. <laughs> yes, it's good theory. It's a good IT solution. There you go. It's been, it's gone through the scientific process. We've shown time and time again, it works. <laughs> All right, final question. I may start another rumble here. Oh boy. <laughs> Chris Pine or Chris Pratt? Oh, I gotta think of which one's which. <laughs> okay, there's too many Chris's, damn it. Um, it's true, there's like the Holy well, Trinity, supposedly, and Chris Pine's not a part of it, so right. you have like four Chris's apparently <laughs> right now. Uh, let's see here. You said Chris Pine or what Chris What was Pratt. the other Chris? Pratt. Yeah, so, so Star-Lord or Steve Trevor? Oh, man. <laughs> They're so dreamy, though. <laughs> they are. They really are. I got. I'm gonna say Chris Pratt, mostly because I love his personality in general. I don't think there is a division between Chris Pratt, his role on Community, or Star Lord. I think they're just all the same person, um, just multiple universes. Because you know we can do that. We can have a multiverse out there. But yeah, I'm gonna go with him. Okay. Did you mean Parks and Rec? Yes, I did mean Parks and Rec. Okay, I was I was like, I don't think no, he's talking about you. who he thinks he's talking about. The scotch is working. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Sam. I know uh, I know they're both so dreamy. I would go with Chris Pine, uh, because I think he's an underrated actor and I've seen him in a lot of different um indie movies where he does a really good job actually acting. No. And um <laughs> And I think he actually he did a really good job in Wonder Woman. So, uh, yeah, I will go with Chris Pine. Okay. Bree? This one's pretty hard for me, too, just because Chris Pratt's kind of like, you know, he's goofy. And my husband's kind of that same level of goofy. And for many women, like, you know, that, that kind of guy, right? Like this funny, easy to get along with guy. I also really respect him for a couple times he's been a little bit open about uh, being religious. And I really appreciate that, being a religious person person myself and how hard it must be in Hollywood particularly. But I've been a 
I, you know, they call the, us pine nuts, right? Like, mm -hmm. yep. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> um, I'm so I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Chris Pine for. I mean, I think, like Sam said, he's a really good actor, and a lot of people like. He, like I said, he's not part of that holy trinity people are talking about right now with the other Chris's, like Chris Hemsworth and the other guys. Mm -hmm. So I think he's kind of underrated. He has a phenomenal singing voice as well. And I've read an article interview with him in GQ, and apparently he's a die—he's a diehard feminist with an old school attitude of I'm going to respect women and open doors and stuff for them. Very chivalrous, but only if they want me to be. And I really respect that that attitude. So. All right. If, if you want a really good um, look at the you know different fandoms too, uh, the Graham Norton show. There's a clip I think it's of Chris oh, Pine yes. and Benedict Cumberbatch are on yes. the same show and they pit like their fans against each other, Pine Nuts versus Cumberbitches. So, <laughs> so good. <laughs> and they're both charming and sweet. And you're just like, oh, how can you not love balls? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I'm really surprised by this one because I thought for sure everyone was gonna say Chris Pratt, but um, I'm uh, I'm Chris Pine also because I do think that he is the stronger actor, um, and uh, I, I just I don't know Chris Pratt just it, he's he's one of those guys that gets by kind of being like the sort of goofball, and uh, you know there are plenty of actors like that, but uh, you know I mean Pine I think can actually like play a lot of different kinds of roles, so I'm gonna go with Pine on that one. So Man, I'll... one is the loneliest number. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now you know how I've been feeling, James, because I keep on... <laughs> I've been like the lone person on several of these. <laughs> All right, but that is another five questions successfully completed. Yay! Nice. All right, so before we dive into our topic, let's pause for a moment to, get, uh, to listen to this promo from another fine podcast. Hey there, folks. My name is JC Delatore. And I'm Rita Delatore. And we are Transmissions from Atlantis, an original member of the ESO network. And we are excited to tell you all about our podcast. Well, it's everything science fiction, fantasy, horror. And every single episode will have a segment of Doctor Who. Let's give everybody a taste. I have my two minutes. Yes. Okay, then. So no interrupting. Go ahead. Fine. You're using up your two minutes. Shut up. You're, you're interrupting me. Stop <laughs> you're, it. You're now up to 50 seconds. <laughs> this was worse than Kill the Moon. It was not worse than I Kill the Moon. I would take the moon as an egg <laughs> before I would take a bunch of trees, sprout up overnight, save the earth, and then magically... And oh. where did the trees go? Where did the trees go? Yes. Transmissions from Atlantis. Class. Classy sci-fi pop culture discussions. Check us out, transmissionsfromatlantis.com.
And we're back. So uh, the movie that we're going to talk about this week is Wonder Woman, uh, which has been doing phenomenally at the box office. This week that we're recording it, it has surpassed $500 million uh, worldwide, <laughs> which is very impressive. It definitely beat DC's expectations of what the movie could make, and it's actually putting it in position to be the next highest grossing movie that DC has done next to Batman versus Superman, which is really impressive um, because that movie did really well even though you know a lot of us didn't necessarily uh, feel that it was the the greatest movie um, that, that could have been done with those characters so before we really talk about Wonder Woman though and, and I know I, I'm pretty sure I know Sam's opinion but just for the purposes of the podcast um, I definitely want to hear everybody's opinion how have you felt about the DCU to this point and let's try to keep it to you know just you know, a few sentences about it, not necessarily going off and having a deep discussion about it, but... <laughs> Less than ten minutes, you're saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, we Sam, can't go three hours, Sam. Right. We can't do it. <laughs> so, Damn it. <laughs> Alright, so Sam, uh, let's start with you, and uh, then go uh, breathe in chains. Uh, man, uh, where do you start with the DC Cinematic Universe? Um... I'm not its biggest fan, quite frankly. I and it's really disappointing to me because, uh, like with the previous five questions thing, I, I am much more of a DC person than I am a Marvel person. So to see beloved characters that I have grown up with reduced to Batman versus Superman, what, not a great time for me until now with Wonder Woman. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I I still haven't seen Suicide Squad like in its entirety. I have seen clips and i've been spoiled enough on it that i know it's probably not a movie i even want to see so yeah it's it's not been uh it hasn't hit it out of the park until now for me okay i felt that dc and this was also when i was introduced to the cinematic universe but i felt dc was really hitting its stride with christopher nolan's dark you know dark knight trilogy Mm -hmm. and i was stoked to see what else the Warner Brothers and DC would do and then was pretty pretty sorely disappointed. I feel the films they tried to change and be like cool in a way that no one really wanted them to be and I think that severely backfired which is why I think Wonder Woman's doing so well. I think it was uh, departure from that. I will say that I know for sure that it's the way Zack Snyder wanted it to be. So there's at least one person who's a fan of what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's disappointing to me. Right. No. All right, James. Uh, um. <laughs> man. Uh, take so, take a few drinks if you need so, to. Yeah. So I'm just. I'm not a fan. I haven't been a fan, much like Sam. Like, I've been just really let down and disappointed with everything up until Wonder Woman. I mean, we started to see it. uh, Like, I can admittedly say, like, we started to see a little bit of a change in the dynamic that they they, they started, like, recognizing from Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is they started making changes with that movie, like, you know, a a day late and a dollar short kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, like, we kind of got some stuff that was good. But, uh, yeah, other than that, like... I've heard I a good friend of mine has even said it himself and I've heard it from other people like like Man of Steel is like one of the best movies ever made and I want to go punch some people every time I hear it <laughs> I'm like what wait what um 
And so, and it was the same with BBS. Like BBS really let me down. So I, I've just been thoroughly unimpressed with the with, with the universe up to this movie. Like this movie's made a really big change in a very positive way, and I hope that they continue it. Yeah. If you want to hear James and I going on for three hours straight about what we didn't like about <laughs> Batman versus Superman, go to that girl with the curls. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless plug. I feel like each movie has been better than the one before it, and, and have you guys all seen the graph that Ryan made that I put in the uh, that I put in the topic for this? <laughs> yeah. um, I was like, hmm, accurate, <laughs> right? Because I feel I, like I don't necessarily agree that Man of Steel and, and Batman vs Superman are better one or the other. I think they're just the same level of. Sorry, oh, I don't know. Wonder Woman, <laughs> Wonder Woman's involvement in BVS, I think, actually puts it like a little bit above. Man, because as soon as Wonder Woman appears in the movie, it's like, hey, this is actually a little bit better. You know? <laughs> but yeah, the last fifteen minutes are great. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, last fifteen minutes of an almost three-hour movie. Awesome. <laughs> but but what I'm talking about for people listening is a friend of mine made a graph that I'm going to put in the show notes. But basically, it shows that there's been a slight progression with each movie up until this point. But it's like a very very small progression. It's like they they're dialing it in very slowly. Batman vs Superman's better than Man of Steel. Suicide Squad Suicide Squad's a little bit better than Batman vs Superman. And then all of a sudden, Wonder Woman. It's like a huge jump up. You know, it's like yeah. you put Suicide Squad at the break-even point of just barely worth the price of a movie ticket, you know, and then it's like Wonder Woman is way above that, and, you know, and I feel like that's that's the thing, and it's almost like the George Lucas effect. It's like, the less George Lucas is involved in a Star Wars property, like, the better <laughs> the movie is, and it's like the Zack Snyder effect on DC. It's like, the less Zack Snyder's involved in the DC property, the better the movie ends up being. Because even though I know... Not just him, but also David Goyer. You have to take Goyer out of the equation, too. He's a big reason why these movies don't work. <laughs> but uh, even though Snyder does have a credit, uh, a co-writing credit on this, I think it's mainly just he was there to make sure that nothing in the Wonder Woman movie contradicted what he's doing with Justice League. And it doesn't seem to me that this movie has a lot of his stamps that the, were on what? Man of Steel and, and BVS. Was it co- was it a co-writing? I thought he was just a co-producer. Uh, there's, there's no, there's a co-plotting or co-writing or co-something, something on the creative side that he was, he okay. was credited with. He just wants some sweet money on the back end from this movie. That's why he's <laughs> <a> co-writing. <laughs> but yeah, but Wonder Woman is a completely different thing. It doesn't obsess with the dreariness that, uh, especially Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman do, where they sort of revel in the. You know, this idea that being a superhero sucks, you know, yeah, that it's the, a horrible burden. The, the angsty side of superheroes that Marvel was really good at, but DC, you know, tried to stay away from in certain in certain respects. Right, exactly. And, you know, so, so it's kind of a joy to watch a movie where the hero is enjoying doing what they're doing, just on the surface of it. I also kind of didn't like some of the moral justifications in the in the man of steel where it's almost like man of steel basically says might is right <laughs> and and basically it's having power that makes you 
uh, you know, uh, your morality is based upon your power, and if other people can worship, you know, will will worship you because you are powerful. Therefore, everything you do is good, which is sort of ties into what Lex Luthor is saying in Batman versus Superman, where he wants to kill Superman because he associates him with God, and it's a weird, weird thing that they're going with with those movies. And there's there's none of that in Wonder Woman. It's well, it's, it's very clear in its morality. It's, it's super hyper. I mean, the, that's the thing. Like, Snyder is very into hyper-masculinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what 300 was all about. That's what Watchmen was all about. Uh, Man of Steel, definitely with that, you know, the analysis of, of it being about power. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of things go back to that superheroes are far more of a male power fantasy than for women. And it shows mm-hmm. in the writing and the drawing half the time. And in these these last two movies that Snyder did, and then in Suicide Squad that what uh, David Ayer's directed, I mean, there's a huge, not even undercurrent. It's not even subtext. It's just text of hyper masculinity. Mm-hmm. So it's actually been way more refreshing to watch Wonder Woman that doesn't rely on that. That relies on a, a much. Um, uh, I mean, and I don't want to say it's a feminine form of storytelling, but it is a much more even-keeled form of storytelling. I I wanted to bring that up at one point too, Sam. I mm-hmm. thought the exact same thing about you could tell there was a very feminine touch this movie, and I I'm not using the word feminine to like imply girly because mm-hmm. I think a lot of feminists can take that wrong. But there's nothing wrong with being feminine in in the sense that. So we need that sometimes. And I think, ironically, the entire message of this film, where she ends up, I don't think this is really a spoiler, but she ends up realizing that, you know, love is the only way she can help the world and the world can help try to save itself and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, at the beginning of the film, her mom had just explained to her that Amazons were created to bring love to man. And it sounds, I'm sure a lot of people are just like, oh, that sounds so like girly. Of course, the women are the ones doing the loving. And I'm like, yeah, but if you look at the way it's portrayed in here, she does it in such a, an incredibly kick butt way that it's <laughs> not like girly, right? It's incredibly feminine, you know? Yeah, it's tough love, man. It's tough love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, and, and yeah, I mean, it needs to be said that, I mean, this movie is the first female superhero movie that we want to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also the first one with a <laughs> first one with a female director. So that's the history making movie, you know, just on its face. And so, uh, you know, it definitely needs to be noted. And it, it's kind of ironic to me that DC assumed that, oh, well, this movie isn't going to do all that well because of, you know, all that. And it's like, everybody's scratching their heads now. Like, Hey, this movie's actually making money. And I'm like, yeah, it's because it's everything that everybody's wanted to see. You know? Yeah, it was incredibly short-sighted. Right. Yeah, their their marketing of the movie was just like paltry in comparison to when uh, they started marketing Justice League in the middle of all of this. And you're like, mm-hmm. guys, you have a Wonder Woman movie that's coming out. Everyone's been waiting for a Wonder Woman movie. Jesus, like just... <laughs> I actually got angry about this at the theater because we went on on Thursday's premiere night. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we went in and they were running a promotion for, like, a smaller screen that I didn't realize at the time. And the whole promotion was, like, if you went to the RPX theater, you'd get uh, free 3D glasses that were, like, Wonder Woman uh, featured. And so... 
I didn't get my glasses because I got the wrong one and I was mad. But yeah, we went to the IMAX though. And like when we came out, like usually uh, at the theater we have here, they give these like special, like kind of collectors cardstock like tickets when you go to uh, certain IMAX movies. And so like we didn't get one. So when we got done with the movie, I went out and I was like, hey, I'd like to get a Wonder Woman uh, IMAX card um, if possible. And the lady like had just the biggest look of disappointment in her face herself. And she was like, yeah, so there were none, like, with this movie. And I was like, what? are you kidding me right now? Like, no collectible card, no, like, promotion around the movie, like, almost whatsoever. Like, it was it was almost invisible. I was like, and, and they expect, what, like, things to change for them if they just don't get people to watch the movie? Like, what kind of self-sabotage is this? And so she was like, I know, I know, I don't disagree with you at all. It is, and she did. She was just like, it's bull. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, it is. It really is. Mm. So, yeah, I was I was really upset with just the, the whole way this movie was treated before we got to enjoy what was probably, I mean, it's it's obviously, like, one of the best-selling movies. It's it's coming up on surpassing Batman versus Superman for its, for its domestic release, and I was like, yeah, do that. Do that hard. Come on, Well, and here's the thing. Hollywood's been locked in this self-fulfilling prophecy that female-led superhero movies don't do well because they've all been crap, right? Yes. They've been given yeah. horrible scripts. Some of them have had some decent actors attached to them, but when the direction and the, you know, the writing is so bad, even a great actor can't really, you know, prop up a movie like that. So you've had your Catwomans and your Electras and such. And <laughs> I was like, looking at you, Catwoman. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which, which were awful movies, you know, and. You know, but that's that's not the fault of the fact that it was a female-led movie. And so, you know, with Wonder Woman, you're finally seeing, well, look, when you give it the budget, when you give it the script and you give it the direction that it needs, guess what you can have? You can have a great movie. And then it doesn't matter if it's a male superhero or female superhero or whatever. It's the fact that you've put all the pieces in place to do that. And so I'm glad that this movie should help take away that stigma. You know, we might start seeing, you know, uh, a Black Widow movie or, you know, Batgirl movie and such. So, you know, I don't trust anything DC's announced. I know they've said there's going to be a Joss Whedon Batgirl movie. But until with all the problems they're having on the all these movies they've planned anyway, I'm just, you know, we'll see. But Wonder Woman will certainly help. If a Flash movie, then we can talk about it. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, but but certainly having having Wonder Woman be a success will help set the stage for that should help remove roadblocks. So I'm not really steeped in the lore of Wonder Woman. I know her from the Justice League animated series and, uh, you know, seen bits and pieces of the old 70s series and such. But it seemed to me that the movie that we got was a bit different from what I understand of Wonder Woman as a character. So, Sam, with you being a big Wonder Woman fan and DC fan, that that's correct, right? I mean, there's there's been quite a few changes to like her oh. origin and story, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They they play a little fast and loose, not only with her origin, but with Greek mythology. Right. Um, that, that I noticed. <laughs> there's a lot going on there, especially because one of my one of my pet peeves, well, not pet peeves, one of my peeves with this movie was how they tr- use the Greek mythology to uh, not only like, you know, tell the story of the Amazons, but also Wonder Woman. It's like, I'm I'm pretty good at suspending my disbelief with, uh, with because Wonder Woman has so many different 
versions of her origin. You know, there's mm-hmm. the shape from clay. There's sometimes she's the daughter of Zeus. Sometimes she's the daughter of another god or something like that. So, you know, she's, I think there was an article that came out recently where it, it talked about the, how she is the, basically the, of the, the trinity of DC's characters, which include Superman and Batman. She's the one that's had the most variations on her origins. Like mm-hmm. Kal-El always crash lands on earth. Batman's parents always die, but Wonder Woman's origin always changes depending on the writer. So it's, it's very much a kind of like, I guess, choose your own adventure version of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they, they do a nice little bait and switch where they're like, oh yeah, her mom told her that she was shaped from clay. Turns out, nope, daughter Zeus, demigod. But yeah, the Greek mythology that they use, I don't like the idea of Zeus giving the island to the Amazons. Mm-hmm. It's. It, it really gives it a male-centric focus where it really shouldn't. I mean, in terms of Wonder Woman's comic book origins, it's very steeped in a, of like a proto-feminist view of the world um, where women are responsible for everything and women have created a society that is almost like paradise. And, you know, Paradise Island isn't the only island. There are like two or three different, you know, other islands for like science and explore, you know, all this kind of stuff. But yeah, so they they kind of they they, they use uh they use the gods in a in a in a way that I'm not as comfortable with, but I I I'll go with it because that's still a kick-ass movie. So <laughs> in the comics, are they all dead except for Zeus? Like they were in this, where it's just no, Zeus and no, okay, yeah. yeah. I th- I thought that they all exist in the comics. When- I- I thought it was a little short-sighted, but I'm guessing that's because they feel like there's enough stories they can tell with the movies that they kind of just don't want the gods to be hanging around. Um, but yeah, I disagree with that. I think that if you you need to the because Wonder Woman always interacts with the with people you know figures in Greek mythology. I mean, Themyscira mm-hmm. in some iterations like houses a bunch of you know creatures and artifacts from ancient Greece. Like the Amazons are essentially like this bastion society that you know would basically if you're looking for the Library of Alexandria, it might be on Themyscira. So they're supposed to be, you know, uh, kind of these protectors of knowledge and humanity and all that stuff. So to get rid of the God element, I think also, I think that's limiting the story possibilities. Like, granted, the the movie, we only get like a sliver of what's actually on Themyscira. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, if you get rid of all of them, except, you know, Ares, who's just going like, ah, war, blah, whatever. I mean, like, Diana's supposed to have been blessed by you know aphrodite and artemis and demeter and hera and all these other goddesses that provided her with leadership and guidance on top of the amazons so i I don't know it feels it feels limiting in a way like they're just trying to get one element out of the way you know know, they don't have to deal with basically yeah i guess it's part of that if there's any snyder influence i think that might be it because he prefers that sort of grounded quote unquote you know <laughs> version of things which basically by that he means just you know realistic only in the ways that he wants it to be uh, so i think that's part of it but i don't know but uh there was one thing that struck me as a little strange and i feel like i feel like this movie had a few scenes where even though um the director um patty jenkins right is her name yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, she mentioned in an article that I read that oh, people ask me about a director's cut, but there are no cut scenes in this movie. But it feels to me that there's a few areas where 
there seems to have been something cut kind of awkwardly because in the origin they give for the Amazons, they say, you know, oh, Zeus created the Amazons and the Amazons are supposed to, you know, bring peace to mankind. And then it's like, then the Amazons rebelled. And I'm like, wait a minute, you skipped a part somewhere because it's like, it's talking about them rebelling against man. And I'm like, wait, was there a part where man enslaved the Amazons after that or what? Well, that was, that was supposed to be in that image you saw. There were women with chains around their necks and stuff. Mm. But okay, you're right, it wasn't like explicitly explained, really. Yeah. That that just felt like an awkward part to that origin that they were giving. Um but uh a friend of mine also brought that up, which is why I thought it was worth mentioning. So we have Diana. We have the whole montage of her growing up. So what do you guys think of that? What do you think of uh, Antiope and the the origin of, you know, Diana, you know, getting trained and all that kind of stuff? I personally, this is actually one of my only complaints about the film is I felt that while it was all interesting, it was not all necessary. I felt her origin at the beginning took a little bit too long. And I realized there was quite a bit to put in there, like why, why, you know, Antiope's training her without her mother's approval all that kind of stuff and there's a lot to put in but it, it did feel like it was taking just a bit too long to me so i don't know but i, I can't believe that's I, buttercup I from the princess <laughs> i was just gonna what? say i can't believe that's buttercup from the princess bride as uh Auntie right Audrey. yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's cool but <laughs> anyway. yeah i don't think they went far enough with the the time on themiscara i really wanted more time there because it just like I said, there's not we don't only get a, like a, a smidgen of what's actually going on because you see like little baby Diana mm-hmm. running through a marketplace to where all the warriors are. So we know that there's a like other things going on on that island. It's like I want to know what those other things are. How do the Amazons do things there? Like it's just that that's what I like about the Wonder Woman mythos is that there it's so it's so magic oriented as well. So like mm-hmm. what is also happening on this Island where, you know, kick-ass Amazons can jump in the air and shoot three arrows into a dude who's, you know, <laughs> like th- those are the things I want to know about. So in the comics, this is another question I wanted to ask you. Is it this whole idea that the Amazons are basically immortal and don't need men at all? Or do they go with the comic thing of Amazons have children with any men that come up on the shore and then kill them afterwards? Also up to interpretation and depends on the writer. Um, I I think with Marston's run, it was, I think that they were just all Amazons that had, you know, been just immortal since uh, the the time of the Greeks. Mm -hmm. And then other writers have changed it. I think in, um, there's a current one that Rene Deliz uh, Deliz did, uh, The Legend of Wonder Woman, I believe, where it's like, uh, any women who you know, women's who women who die, like their souls come to uh, Themyscira and they're re- and they're reborn. And then you have like the New Fifty Two version, which as I do like Azarello and Chang's run on it, but they they kind of messed up the Amazons significantly with them being all like, well, we just kind of go out and find a ship, and then uh, we we do it with all the sailors, and then the girls we keep and the boys we send off to Hephaestus. So yeah, cool. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's different, there's different origins depending on who decides that they're going to dictate that origin for that particular run. Mm, Okay. Yeah, no, that was one of the things that kind of confused me and made me go a little, what? Cause they were talking about how she was the only child. 
you know, that mm-hmm. had ever been there. And so I was like, okay, that seems a little odd, but that might be what the comics have in it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, again, that they tried to tell as little with the mascara as possible because I think they wanted to sort of, like, get Wonder Woman out of that you know, area, you know, they had to give an origin for her, but to basically say like from here on forward, she's just going to be in man's world. And that's, you know, we just established her and sent her off. But yeah. Do do you guys feel it was a little contrived that it's like, as soon as she discovers that she's got, you know, super cosmic powers that Steve Trevor just crashes. Well, that's, that's kind of why I felt like (laughs) the beginning was so oddly paced because it Mm -hmm. took forever for, to get to that point and then suddenly it's like the the movie started right. like but you're right there wasn't enough between that like i she was trying to like figure out what was you know where this why did this just happen and she has no time to think about it and then suddenly she's like well without giving away too much of like the rest of the film or anything oh like no that. Spoil- spoilers spoilers are fine spoilers? Okay. yeah sorry sorry yeah for anyone <laughs> who doesn't know all my podcasts are spoilers so okay so <laughs> tied to this tied to the same idea i found it a little weird that she like figured out what her or she just discovers her powers and then there's no more time on the island showing her coming to terms with them or training with them and then suddenly when she gets to the world of men it's like she knows how to use them all immediately yeah i don't know i felt like the strength and everything she already had and she already was like a stronger than normal amazon and that it was just that the whole thing that i mean the energy part she doesn't use except in the fight with aries And I kind of got the feeling that that was all kind of primal and that she wasn't really thinking about it too much, um, just based on the way that that fight went. But I don't know. That's just how I interpreted it. Do you guys have any thoughts on that, Sam or James? James. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of I'm definitely on the side of like I would have. I enjoyed what I saw from Themyscira as far as you know showing these these warriors and showing like the kind of training that they go through but uh, as said like i would have been more interested in diana's journey to discovery of like what she has what she's capable of things like that yeah i mean i don't know i i i get what you're saying as far as like where she discovers like i have magical god powers and all that um as far as like being kind of that primal nature of things but uh, yeah i just i don't know like there there's a lot more synopsis around just diana i mean they could have made one whole movie without anything to do with this war and all of that in just exploring diana or at least even extended the movie like much further i mean really we'll give three hours to batman versus superman <laughs> i think we could have afforded a little more time yeah. See, I I think that she does go through a somewhat of a, a learning curve with her with as her powers like are as she reveals her own powers basically because like the I agree that the the defense of using her bracers that time when her aunt's going at her um, because rightly so she can't expect battle to be fair. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the what the movie does a really good job of is showing you know Diana to be naive in the ways of the world in terms of like her ideas of war and peace and you know Mm -hmm. uh, human nature but that she adapts quickly she's not scared of things easily she uh she she'll she'll take it on uh, but she won't be like a a complete wimp about it 
And I think even with her powers, you kind of see that too, because she has that that one flame wave thing that happens, which is probably just more defensive than anything else. But then even when she's like breaking Steve out, uh, and she goes to get all of the the accoutrement mm-hmm. for her uh, yeah. her excursion into man's world. Like when she she doesn't necessarily think she can make the jump. Like she takes a second. She's kind of looking. She's looking back. She's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And she makes that jump, and then she hits that you know that piece of concrete. And then for a second, like she's like, okay, good. I got this. I got this. And then starts falling. And that and, you know in that moment when she needs to save herself, that's when she sticks her hand through a wall, basically. <laughs> And and what I love about that whole sequence, too, is that she is really enjoying herself. Like, once she figures out, like, oh, I can just punch into the concrete and walk my way up here. She's like, this is great. Like, this is mm-hmm. fantastic. I am having a great time. And, and so I feel like, and even when she gets out into no man's land, she's only really used those bracers to protect Steve the, the one time. Mm-hmm. And so this is her, like, really fully on going out there with her abilities and just wreaks havoc, like, on the uh, No Man's Land all the way through to the clock tower. Like, once she jumps into that clock tower, it's just like you can breathe again. You're like, that was so cool. I will agree with you on that point where the No Man's Land at the front, I feel like she's kind of starting to discover more of her power, right? Because, like you said, she had only used her bracers to deflect in training and then for steve and it's almost like as she's looking at the bullets you can kind of see she's like making sure they're not hitting her and then she's realizing it's not that hard she kind of gets that little grin and keeps going harder and harder but the interesting thing was and i didn't notice this i've seen it i saw it three times now and the last time i saw it (laughs) i saw it with my husband who hadn't seen it yet and he pointed something out that i didn't notice was she essentially gets to at the time her limit at the at the uh front for the germans Mm. where she's just taking all their firepower but really without steve and the other people coming up to help her it would i don't know like would she have discovered um even more of her powers or not but Mm -hmm. it's i think it was really good that they put that limit there because we didn't need to see that yet obviously right like that was supposed to be the end discovery so that was pretty cool and i had noticed that but my husband pointed it out and i i thought it was a good good decision well it's a great way of utilizing the fact that you know i mean you you know you characters need these sidekicks right and and you know it's kind of nice that you know she had i mean there is a role for steve and those other guys to play even though she's the primary hero she's got the superpowers and she's doing this you know there is a reason to have these guys with her uh you know beyond that she can't do it quite on her own even though she's got you know a tremendous amount of power so i thought that that was nice the other thing i want to shout out about it that no man's land scene that i haven't heard anyone else commenting on is they kind of paid a slight homage to the 70s Wonder Woman where she spins around and transforms. She only does mm-hmm. one spin, but it's kind of like she kind of turns her back and then she like turns around the rest of the way and it's like, oh, she's in her full regalia and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I love that because I was like, oh, what a but nice little way of, of, of paying some tribute to that old, you know, that old TV see- show. <laughs> Did you see that young soldier like staring at her, like his jaw dropped? Like, right. what is she doing? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, it's kind of like like she just shifts around and suddenly she's in full regalia. You're like, right. can I have that superpower? Right. Like, <laughs> we need that superpower every day, right? right? <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, what did you guys think of the fight scenes in general? Because from my point of view. 
some of them were better than others, but like I really hate the let's have action for three seconds and then go in slow mo for like you know thirty seconds and then like speed up again for three seconds and then go slow mo again for thirty seconds. While it's better to me than like the shaky cam constant cut thing that you can't tell what's going on, I would prefer something a little more fluid than that. So because to me it's supposed to denote like great speed and great power, but to me it really like slows a fight down. Uh, and what do you guys feel about that? I think that's where Zack Snyder got his credit from. So. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that um, felt like the Snydery element of the entire movie. So. Yeah, I felt that that was very Zack Snydery as well. And I didn't mind some of it, but I, particularly the scene where she's in the uh, building fighting the Nazis, mm. I felt like they only needed like slow mo, like maybe twice and they did it probably like eight times and mm. that really bugged the crap out of me i was like we it, it don't need this much i mean in general i expected the slow-mo not just because of the trailers but because it was a dc film and snyder was involved so i was mm. expecting that to happen but i i totally agree i don't think all those slow motion captures were necessary and it was totally awesome to do the the normal, well, normal paced, you know, the right. the full action stuff well, without I mean, it. Believe me, I am completely glad that I could follow that fight and, and follow those fights and knew what was happening because that's my gripe usually about movies, action movies, where the constant cuts and shaky cams and it's like, what am I even watching? You know, Ooh. but at the same time, I felt like the pacing, to me, it was the battle on the beach where it seemed like they overdid the slow-mo. To me, it's like, yeah, like once or twice during a fight, fine. You know, when someone does something like you know like it's like a finishing move or something you know you can get away with that but not like the you know like throughout the whole thing it, it just slows it way down for me to me that's it's the funny thing in an action movie that was my biggest disappointment with the movie was just all that slow-mo stuff <laughs> uh the plot the action the acting all that I mean, in the plot the um the acting the um the 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 you know the the way that things carried forward all that was good it was just some of those fight scenes just really brought it out for <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know i'm i'm a big action guy i i didn't really notice or pay attention to it much i mean i know it was definitely there but as said like i mean it's it's a Zack snyder move and given the fact that uh three movies before this that's been our game <laughs> i'm just kind of used to it so i like i i go into it just expecting like oh slow slow motion action it's it's happening it's, it's just the happening thing now all right know, there's some great stuff too like when she's got the whip out and she's swinging it around everywhere, and that's going really fast. You know that that was all good. They didn't do with the slow mo with yeah. that. You know, and I liked that. Yeah. You know, um, I liked her jumping up to the tower and you know bringing that down. And yeah, no, the, the tower bit was like the best part of that whole thing. I mean, <laughs> it was pretty sweet. Granted, like the whole move from Mo No Man's Land on through, like, but that end part because I it kind of emphasizes what you were saying, Nathan, like the the necessity of the side characters. Mm -hmm. Because you not only have like the the three guys that uh, Steve Trevor recruits, but Steve is also, in terms of the romantic interest in a superhero movie, far more on equal terms with Diana than anyone has been in the previous movies. Because mm -hmm. he sets that up for her based on what he saw her aunt do. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. that, and that is incredibly cool just to watch that happen. Because it's not like he goes like, "Do you need help?" It's like he just anticipates that she'll need a booster. And and it's not like put the laid against her or him. It's just like no, she needs this. Let's do it now, Diana. Shield, and then she just does it. Like it's, I think it's just one of the best like 
you know, if if you're going to have a romance in a movie, I think that they've done the best job in that one. I like the fact that, uh, you know, because I thought when he brought that thing up that he was going to try to, like, inch forward, like, to the door of the tower with, you know, with that, like, shielding him from the sniper. And mm-hmm. for him to just be setting her up, I was like, yeah, that's really awesome. Because he's, of course, she can do a much better job taking this guy out than he could. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, thought, I actually thought the same thing. I was like, oh, he's just going to try to inch forward and take care of it himself. But mm. nope, nope. He was like, no, nah, she can do this way better than I can. <laughs> right. like, even even when she saves him with the bracers the, that first time, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll protect you. And she protects him. He's like okay, you, you handle this. And like, he just gets yeah. that one rabbit punch in at the end. <laughs> Do you, can I bring something up? I don't know if this is on your list or not, Nathan, but I try to avoid reviews before I see a movie mm-hmm. um, because I feel that critics, I, I don't trust many critics, but there was one I wanted to read because it was so feminist, like bad feminism that I wanted to punch the writer. Um, <laughs> She was basically complaining that even though the movie's supposed to be about a female superhero, there's still too much of Steve Trevor telling her what to do. Um, and I felt that that particular scene Sam just brought up, the, the, that was almost kind of a turning point because he was like, wait, or maybe not. Like, obviously you can take care of all this. And while there is a struggle back and forth with him still telling her things to do, she doesn't listen to him. <laughs> like, well, she just does what she wants anyway, which I don't understand as a feminist why that, like, it, it's all, I don't understand why that was wrong. And it was in a context of the 1900s, early 1900s, where he just, that's his normal reaction to things. But she doesn't have to follow those because she's not from then. And so I just thought it was kind of a weird statement to say he still tells her too much what to do. Because I think that eventually plays out to the fact that, no, he doesn't. He, he starts to recognize what she can do and that he can't, like, boss her around and that he shouldn't and that they are on equal terms. Well, I mean, they, they, I mean it's just good tactics, though, to, you know, to, to get the information from the local person that understands the situation better than you and that's the thing he knows that he understands the situation better than he does so there's 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 a difference between there are some scenes where he's telling her what to do because he understands the society that she's in better than she does and so in that case he's using the fact that he's just got better experience than she does in this area now there are some scenes where he's telling her what to do because they just slept together or whatever (laughs) (laughs) You stay here safe. We're going to infiltrate the party. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Yep. You know, that because might be a little more of that mass. someone in public. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there, there might be a little bit more of that masculinity playing into it. But, again, I yeah. mean, it's he adapts very well, I think, to the situation. Well, we talk about her adapting really well. He's adapting really well, too, to the fact that he's seen the, this race of women who can do amazing things, you know, and he's like, hey, I better reevaluate some of the things that I've been thinking, you know. And that that's kind of why I was so mad at the review I read, because by the time I've watched the movie the first time, I was like, you know, yeah, there were a couple of spots he, he shouldn't have said those things to her, like the one you're mentioning, where he's like, hey, don't go to the ball. He's like so adamant about it, and you're like, dude, you, you can see what she does. But regardless, like, at the end of the film, he literally, when she realizes that it's not, you know, it's it's humans that are bad inside, they can be bad inside and they're not all 100% good, she's like, she can't comprehend this. And he's like, I get that you're so frustrated right now. But instead of, like, commanding that she come with him, he's like, 
please come with me. Like he mm. asks her, he doesn't demand it anymore. He's at the point where he's actually asking her because he respects her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it speaks to, again, like Chris Pine, Chris Pine is a really good actor. Not only that, but him and Gal Gadot's like chemistry in that, yeah. that scene when he's, you know, when she's kind of, you know, got the concussive, you know, uh, hearing and everything. And he's trying to explain some stuff to her and she's like, I can't hear you. And then you, you roll back on that one mm-hmm. and just, he's explaining like, look, I can't like, uh, I can't, uh, save the world, but you can, you know, kind of thing. Like he completely is on her side and is just like, look, I'm going to sacrifice myself, but you're, you're the, you know, you're the reason because I love you and I want to do this for you and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I thought I liked that. I, I thought it was really nice how they even did that, where you know, where you see the scene twice, and mm-hmm. you're getting part of the. I mean, you can, you can kind of figure how this is going, you know, when you're just watching him trying to talk to her. But you know, I, I just thought that that just made it like a much more powerful thing that they rewind on it, and you actually hear, you know, exactly what he's saying to her, and that made this movie touching. And that's the thing: there's no emotional connection in uh, Man of Steel or Batman v Superman. It's trying, those movies try so hard to distance Batman and Superman from the the viewer that you, you don't get emotionally invested in them. And that's one of the real strengths of this movie, I think, is that that emotional connection is there. I mean, Diana, her, her naivete is, is, and her forthrightness are just so refreshing. They make her such a... I don't know, it's just a fun character to watch. You like this woman who's experiencing everything for the first time. You know, and her preconceptions about things, asking about, like, if this is armor when she sees Mm -hmm. the underwear (laughs) of the place and having ice cream for the first time and seeing a baby for the first time and all that. It's It's just fun. You know, you like this person a lot. And I do like the relationship with Steve Trevor, and I like the fact that he tries to be a gentleman about it you know you get the you get the you know the odd you know like uh line like i'm an above average man you know and stuff like that (laughs) that's sort of your typical male hero scoundrel kind of character but he doesn't act like that really for most of the movie you know he's not hitting on her constantly and everything like you you believe this romance and i feel like it's a lot better than a lot of them even though i would have preferred personally if they hadn't slept together i would have preferred that after the dance if they had had a kiss and that had been it and, and well, it could have been playing cards all night yeah. <laughs> you know definitely and i almost feel i feel like that was another one of the places where it looked like there was a cut because while they're dancing there's a part where he's putting his hands on her cheeks like he's about to go in and kiss her and then it cuts to them going into the hotel room and mm. uh I, I i think they they removed the one for the other but i would have preferred if it had just been a simple kiss just me because i feel like that's a little bit fast but you know certainly typical for a movie um, you know, they all I'm, have I'm that. I'm a big fan of when he uses the, the lasso to prove to her that he's telling her the truth. Oh, when yeah. he, he lies to the, the, the generals, basically, and he's he's like, I'm taking you to the front. She's like, are you serious? And he puts the lasso right. Yes. He's like, I'm taking you, and this is a terrible idea. And <laughs> We're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. I do like, like that. I just love both times he's in. He interacts with the lasso, especially when he's on Themyscira, and he's like, "I'm a, I'm a." Yeah, it's like liar, liar. It, it reminded me of the movie Liar, Liar, where Jim Carrey is trying not to tell the truth, and he does. The same <laughs> thing. But yeah. <laughs> and that, that's the thing. It's like this movie is genuinely funny. Mm. Like there, are, it's it's like Batman versus Superman again. If you listen to the the thing with James and I. 
uh, we kind of point out that there's only like one legitimately funny line in yes. Batman and Superman, and it's from Diane Lane. Once, uh, once Batman has saved her, he's like, I'm a friend of your son's. <laughs> She's like, well, I figured the cape. Um, like, that's the only funny line in that entire movie mm-hmm. like that you're supposed to laugh at other than the rest of the movie that you're just laughing at because if you don't, you'll cry. Mm. Um, but, uh, Truth facts. Yeah, exactly. In, in Wonder Woman, there's actual funny lines that are spoken by actors that know how to deliver them. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it goes back to the chemistry of the actors. I mean, if Gal Gadot and Chris Pine didn't have the chemistry that they have, there's a lot of lines that would have not gone over well. Yeah. I mean... Mm-hmm. Especially like that whole conversation about sexuality and sensuality and what the purpose of men are for. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one of those books? <laughs> well, volumes. you know, they might be lying around somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I have no purpose. <laughs> I want to read one of those. And she's like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, yeah, I love that. I- it was one of those things that, like, coming out of that movie, I went and sat with two friends of mine. Like, we we were just like, it was so funny. Like, it was, mm-hmm. it was like, it was a good action movie. Um, it was, uh, it was funny when it needed to be. It didn't like completely get bogged down in like depression, even though like you're dealing with World War One, mm-hmm. which is not a good war to be dealing with. I mean, no. the I think it though it was a smart move because World War Two is far too mired down in a, in a jingoistic sense mm-hmm. of you know we have a clear bad guy. I mean, yes, we were essentially fighting the Germans in World War One as well, but it was also one of those very nebulous, morally gray areas where people are like, at, towards the end, it's just like, what are we fighting over? Like, inches, basically. That's all we're yeah. fighting right now. Well, so, and to that point, I think that's why Wonder Woman work, worked so well with the setting, because she literally comes in not for a side. She's literally there to save people who aren't able to save themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, I mean, that's a lot of what World War One was about, right? A lot of people just got caught in this thing that we still, is so confusing, really. Like, it's so obvious. It's like, in World War Two, it was, you know, Italy and Germany pretty much, and Japan against the rest of us, right? Like, super clear. But that war, that's why everyone literally thought the world was going to end, because there's so much crap going on, and these poor people caught in the middle. Like, it's so, that's why I think the setting was so good, but I'm also curious to see how they address the fact that, for some reason, she didn't really do anything for World War Two. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. I, I think that they can always fall back on, no, there was all this other crap going on that you don't know about because she took care of it. So it's like World War II would have actually been worse if she hadn't been there, you know, doing things that behind the scenes that we never saw. It's true. If you go with the idea that she's been in France this whole time, I mean, she's... Mm-hmm. Yeah beginning of the movie we see that she's a curator for the the louvre which i will say as as an archivist when she picked up that original hundred year old uh glass plate uh negative (laughs) (laughs) not good not good so not um but the fact that she's you know if she's based out of france the whole time that does give her kind of like you know a front seat to world war ii as well so you Mm -hmm. can if you to do flashbacks or if you want to set a wonder woman a wonder woman movie during world war ii you at least have that ability to go back and it's it's not as limiting uh, to your storytelling process yeah yeah I-, I will say that i feel like they kind of missed a trick 
because it feels to me like Aerie's quote-unquote temptation of Diana never really was a real temptation because there's never a point where I was convinced that she would side with him. I felt like it would have been nice if they had played up a little more of the ambiguity of World War One because she's convinced from the very beginning the Germans are the bad guys because she's convinced Ares is on Germany's side. And so right. that is her focus. And I felt like when the uh, Native American character had talked about how Steve Trevor's people, you know, Americans had taken away the land from his people, that it might have set off a sort of discussion or an appearance to her of the fact that maybe all humanity is under Aries sway and that there is this sort of idea that humanity is, you know, been seeped in, in this trouble, you know, far deeper than she thought, you know, that they're fighting each other and, and hurting each other and may possibly irredeemable. And then maybe Aries offer of help me and wiping all these people out might have meant something. But the whole, I mean, it would have it would have meant that they had to go back to ground zero, basically, with the script um, and, and kind of redone, you know, what they were doing. I just felt like that would have helped in that last little bit, because to me, I didn't feel like the temptation really was a good temptation. And so it didn't feel like that was a very strong aspect to that fight. They could have just made it just her fighting Ares, because I never felt like she was going to go on his side. Yeah, yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I, because I've, I've thought that from the beginning, she just thought that if she kills Ares, war's over. No matter, like she was just going to solve it for all the men. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like that's where she was coming from. Because again, Diana's outlook is that not only has she, you know, had the Amazons been training to stop Ares once he, you know, rose to to power, whenever that in you know time was going to be but that it she just had a very cut and dry black and white view of it and that her whole journey was discovering that ambiguity mm-hmm. that it isn't all cut and dry um and so i think that each encounter she has especially when she talks to the chief um and then um uh, sammy when he talks to her it's like you know uh, i'm an actor but i'm the wrong color you know that the everyone's fighting their own war yeah. i think those just kind of add to her um the the morally gray outlook that she eventually like kind of goes towards mm. um in, the, in that aries's offer of i will make it a paradise like everything you wanted you know i think that's supposed to be kind of like but the world isn't like what she thought it was and why would she want to turn it into something it's not yeah. you know nathan i never really thought about this until you mentioned it but that whole thing of him saying we can turn this world into a paradise, that would have been a lot more impactful if what Sam has said earlier had been true, that this uh, land, the mascara, had been created by the Amazons. Like, they had created a paradise mm-hmm. instead of Zeus doing it. It probably would have convinced her more if, you know, her kind had been the ones to create the mascara mold it into what it was. Because that would be convincing, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm an Amazon. I can make this world the best possible it could be for these people but mm-hmm. they didn't take that angle so I, that whole yeah let's turn it into a paradise you and me sister and it's like what you're right it doesn't work <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> the, probably uh, would have the, the other problem with that final fight though is like when they when when the guy becomes aries it's like he's shirtless flanders <laughs> <laughs> With the mustache, you see the mustache behind the helmet and everything, and it's okay. just like, it's like Ned Flanders I, suddenly has this beefy body, you know, when he rips his shirt off, and he's got this Greek armor on, you know? I'm not like, gonna lie, I love that actor, but I thought the same thing, I was like, you're serious, you're giving him a mustache 
af- right as a god, like right. after he fought, he couldn't just have a mustache as the you know senator or not the senator, the the mm-hmm. sir or whoever in yeah. the nineteen fourteen. Like really, he has to have a mustache. To me, I just unfortunately I took him a lot less seriously. I was like, yeah, you don't. No, that's not cool. <laughs> He's a literal like mustache twirling villain. <laughs> right. Yeah, they should have yeah. morphed him slightly or something just to make him look more Greek. Snidely whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because, yeah, I mean, the Greeks didn't have those mustaches. But, yeah, I mean, the actor himself, like, he he delivers his lines so well. And his, like, I think his voice is good for it. But his his look just didn't work, I don't think, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, I I, I didn't think he was Ares. But did you guys all, like, realize something was up, though? Like, he was, I thought he was working for Ares when he shows up at the bar and is like, hey, I'll send you on this secret mission that you can work out of my office. Um, I didn't think anything of him until he is in his office with Etta, and she's talking on the phone to Steve Trevor, and then he gets up all worried-like. I was like, why, wait, why is he worried? Like, what's his, what's his argument gonna be here for them not going to this thing? Because that's kind of weird. That's where it hit me, that, oh, shoot, I think, I think I know what's going on now. (laughs) It was a decent enough bait and switch because Danny Houston, who plays the, the the German general, I think they do a good enough job with the oh I hear here's this gas for your your new pa- your powers and blah blah blah. So you're just like okay, clearly that's Aries maybe. But actually, my friends and I were saying like, wouldn't it have been more interesting if Doctor Poison had ended up being Aries? Yes, you know. But, but is that an actual have... villain from Wonder Woman lore? Yeah. Dr. Poison? Oh, okay. Yeah, Dr. Poison is one of her, uh, I guess if you're going to say rogues gallery of, of villains, which I like the fact that she's not dead by the end of the movie, so there is the possibility, and, and they're saying that the actress is actually contracted for more movies. Mm. So she's likely to end up in the sequel, maybe. Mm. Honestly, I feel, I agree with you, Sam. That would have been way more interesting, um, not just to, to put female on female, like, end struggle and like get rid of the man aspect of it not just because of that but this whole idea of dr poison i loved the character and the actress but there i just i wanted to know more about her like they Mm -hmm. literally had nothing they literally were like and who's his accomplice they're all like in that war room who's this accomplice well her name is this and people know her as dr poison but that's all we know about her Mm. really like (laughs) no one's done any more intel on her and that's it that's all we're given about her like i want to know why she's like so obsessed with all the stuff why is she actually evil yeah i mean and the morality of this movie kind of interested me because you know we we've come from the murder verse that Zack snyder created where (laughs) batman and superman are fine was straight up killing anyone that gets in their way, right? I mean, even in Batman vs. Superman, first scene that we see Superman, he kills this guy that's holding Lois hostage, right? Um, <laughs> so, you know, and then we like get into he- Wonder Woman, where we actually are not, it doesn't look like she actually kills a whole lot of people, you know, and it's in some cases it's ambigu- you know, ambiguous, um, mm-hmm. but she's going around definitely fighting a lot. Uh, she definitely kills the general. But then there's the scene at the end where Ares is holding up Dr. Poison as, look right here, here's someone that you can murder right here. And she decides at that point that she's not going to do it, which is kind of interesting to me, because if there's anyone that really deserves to be 
you know, killed besides the general, it probably is Dr. Poison, you know, because she's someone who really conspired to, you know, do all this horrible stuff. And she decides not to do that. Now, it may be just because she was, it was, would be a cold-blooded murder rather than a, you know, uh, an execution of justice or whatever. But I was wondering if you guys had any thought about that, because to me it seemed sort of like a strange thing, because it, was it because it was Ares telling her to do it and she just didn't want to do what Ares told her to do? Or, you know, I, I just wanted your thoughts on, on the, you know, the decision process there. I want to, someone else should go first. I have thoughts, okay. but I feel like okay. I've been talking a lot. James, <laughs> you want to go? Uh, so, re- sorry, repeat the, the, the basis of the <laughs> I'm question. I'm sorry, I'm too long-winded. Um, no, so, yeah, my, my thing, you know, because uh, I was trying to track this just because of the fact that, Bat- you know, Batman and Superman are so kill-happy in the Snyder movies, was how many people is it actually positive, are we positive that Wonder Woman kills? Uh, there's a few cases like the guy, the sniper, that the whole building falls on, definitely dead. Right, but in yeah. a lot of cases, you could argue that she just knocks people out. We're not sure if they're dead or not. But the general definitely dead. You know, she she killed him, thinking that he's Ares. But then there's this scene where Ares basically has Doctor Poison right in front of Diana, and he says, "Look, you know, here's an example of humanity for you. Kill her." And Diana decides not to do it. And so, mm-hmm. you know. What do you, I mean, you know, and if there's any character, you know, we know Diana's not above killing, you know, I mean, that's not something that she feels like I can't kill. So right. what is the, you know, what is the decision process there? I mean, do you guys have any idea, thoughts on the morality of it? Because I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be because it was a cold blooded murder where she felt like the woman should be brought in for justice or if, you know, or if it was just because Aries was telling her to do it or, you know, do you have any thoughts on that? Right. I mean, I think it I think the morality of it stemmed from a lot of things, like especially being somebody who participates in like, you know, the historical enactment of swordplay and combat in general. Like Mm. there's just certain rules of thumb when you're working in, you know, obviously a non points based system kind of thing. Like there's a certain level of honor and as somebody who like trained her whole life for the most part you know, learning the warrior ways and things like that. Like there is a certain level of honor that kind of comes to things. And so I think there is a morality there in A, she realizes in that moment where Ares tries to like, you know, kind of spark her to kill this woman who is clearly done like horrible things Mm -hmm. simultaneously in that she's unarmed in any way, shape or form. Like she doesn't, she has no way to defend herself. So I think there are probably small, subtle pieces of, the, pieces of that at a subconscious level for the character that definitely, like, go into effect as far as her decision process. Like, is this somebody who could defend themselves? Are they trying to do terrible things? You know, regardless of, uh, you know, a physical weapon? Like, what what's the scenario kind of thing? But simultaneously, what I... What, what has always been, like, outside of the DC movie universe, what is like the Batman morality system, right? Which it's like, it doesn't matter how much of a heinous thing they do. I'm above them if I never do the same thing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I I think there are some moral choices that factor in on both sides of that equation with those, those two dynamics somewhere in her mind. But yeah, I don't think she kills needlessly by any means. Like, you know, the, the, the people she has killed were able to defend themselves. They were doing terrible things and would continue to do so if not stopped. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead, Sam. No, no, I mean, you, you have a more limiting factor here. Go ahead. 
I was just gonna say, I I actually likened that scene to Bilbo not killing Gollum. Mm. Um, just a just a moment of not pity on her part, but a realization that you know it wasn't what they deserved. It was that she believed it was wrong to kill this person. She was choosing this love and a second chance over you know a kind of a needless destruction, really. And I think that I think that had to be there for that reason, not because not just because she didn't want to do it because Ares was telling her to. I think that's the angle I understood, and I think that's the move the way the movie tried to. uh, show it because of that whole idea of of course none of us deserve Wonder Woman but she that doesn't matter at the end her morality was that I'm going to put love first even if everyone you know even if they don't deserve me even if people end up hating me eventually who knows I'm just going to keep giving love out to the world and that's what's going to save it and that's like a little bit of a message even in like you know Lord of the Rings and Tolkien because you know a lot of like I don't know it's almost like you know the Catholic side of Tolkien coming out there like if you're going to be a good Christian, you better love people. You're not going to like just ignore them when they when they you know hate you or something, right? So I I really saw parallels there, and I think that was very interesting to to me personally because I'm religious. I was like, wow, this morality is very um. This is hard for people, I think, to grasp and understand. Like if someone's like if you have a really nasty family life and they're doing really mean things to you sometimes it's the hardest thing ever to just love them even when they don't deserve you but that's that's a message not a lot of people i think address in in films in particular so i think for this particular scene i think that's why she doesn't kill dr poison she's like no no i'm they don't deserve me but that doesn't mean i'm going to treat them the wrong way i'm going to put forth this love give this person a second chance yeah, uh, I mean, I, I've never, didn't even think of it that way. That's cool. <laughs> um, no, because, uh, I mean, I I see it more also in the context of what what she saw happen to Steve, you know, first. Like, so when she goes in her berserker rage, she's just seen the plane blow up that Steve was in that he sacrificed himself in. So then she goes into, like, the berserker rage, and she's killing everybody left and right, and Ares is like, yes, yes, feed, <laughs> like, all that kind of... Yeah. And, th- and then she gets to the point where she's got the tank up in the air, and, she- and Dr. Poison is there on the ground, and then the wind is picked up, and that mask gets, like, blown off, so you see, like, the, the extent of whatever damage has been done to her mm. based on working with the poisons. So in, and then she's got it up there and she, that's when she slows down. Cause she's not only is she looking at Dr. Poison and just looking at her in full, it's like not with the mask on, like this is Dr. Poison. And then she thinks back to what Steve said to her when she, she focuses in and actually hears what he says. And it's basically, he's like, you've got to save everyone. I love you. I got to go do this when you know the last thing that they had had really together she rejected him she was just being like all of you guys are like this you're you're all terrible people like aries you know they're right and that kind of stuff so i think it it all goes into you know she sees the first man she's ever loved basically die yeah Mm -hmm. she goes full god berserker and then the only way that she can really like get back to that 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 place is by understanding that like even someone who she could reject would would still be like, no, I still love you, you know, for, for all her, um, the way she acted with him and everything. And I think yeah. that that's what stays her hand with Dr. Poison's like, she she deserves the ability to be, you know, she, she doesn't deserve to be killed in this way. Mm-hmm. I, re- I really like that interpretation too. I think that's 
that's really accurate too with the way that it was um steve was presented and the way that it was timed and the order in which those scenes showed up mm-hmm. yeah does anyone else feel like she was just playing around with doomsday and batman versus superman because based on that fight <laughs> with aries it looks like she should have just been able to take on doomsday on her own <laughs> and just been right. like I dead she was gonna i thought she was gonna javelin that guy with the spear <laughs> like you know <laughs> seemed appropriate since she's like a greek goddess right <laughs> Right. Or, you know, I mean, it was just the cave troll from The Hobbit, so they could have just, like, opened up the sky and just stoned it. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, that, that whole last fight felt like I was watching DBZ instead of uh, a Wonder Woman movie, because it just felt oh. like, let me show some more powers you didn't know that I had. And, you know, <laughs> let yeah. me throw- I, still, I do like when she catches the, the, the lightning, basically, when she's, like, built up mm. enough of the lightning in her gauntlets, and she's just kind of looking at it, and she's like, oh okay i know what to do with this <laughs> like once again happy with her powers not moping around like certain yeah. aliens do well, and that was the beauty of her scenes from batman versus superman because when she fights doomsday and when doomsday is actually able to knock her around you she, you see her smile because yeah. she's able to finally fight a fight you know for the first time probably in in you know since that world war one fight where she's fighting someone on her level you know and she's enjoying that and, and i loved that aspect of it yeah, I, so- I was just so glad. It was, in general, such a positive like film, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like that was that's so needed right now, not just in cinema, but like for the world and the current state of of things mm-hmm. in not just our country, but you know other countries too. And I was just like, yeah, this is exactly. I I love that she loves who she is, what she's doing, and you know is owning it. And it's it's not like done in an offensive way to anyone or anything. And it's so it's just so positive. I love it. Well, we now see Wonder Woman taking on the role that's traditionally there for Superman as the the bastion of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I mean, she is the positive member of this new DC universe, and I really hope that. You know, DC learns from this, not just in making more female-led superhero movies, but, you know, you keep on hearing, you know, of directors, you know, turning down The Flash. And when you listen to why they say they do it, they say, I wanted to make a fun, positive movie. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's clear that DC is telling them, no, you know, we don't want that. We want, you know, Grimdark Flash. You know, (laughs) I don't want grim, dark flash. I would like someone to make a fun, positive flash movie, you know, and and I'm hoping that seeing Wonder Woman and seeing the success, the DC, the the head people will be like, oh, maybe we should allow people to go a little more lighthearted with the flash, you know, and so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That's my hope. But, um, uh, Brie, how much more time do you have? Uh, I could stay for about another five to ten minutes, but let's say five just to be safe. Okay, well, I just have one. Well, I can combine these two. Do we think that Steve Trevor is coming back? And what do you want to see out of Wonder Woman 2? So <laughs> let's start with you, Brie. No, I don't think he's coming back in terms of like like physically being resurrected in any sense of the word. I think they might bring him in for flashbacks, which mm. I would be totally fine with i think that would almost be necessary um if they're going to be doing a second wonder woman movie to explain why she went from world war one to present day and what she was thinking and all that so i don't think physically no he won't be resurrected but i do think there will be flashbacks with him and then in terms of wonder woman 2 i've i've listened to a couple other people's like podcasts and like youtube shows where they were talking about wonder woman and apparently there's theories that 
they Patty Jenkins wants to bring her to America, which ironically does seem to kind of imply that she's taking over Superman's role as being like this American hero, American icon. So I think that would be kind of cool if she does go to America and kind of becomes, you know, our icon. But at the same time, I really don't want the hurt them to turn if they were to do that. I wouldn't want them to turn her into like like a I don't know like a perfect like perfect absolute perfect icon that everyone looks up to all the time because i realize her old you know the traditional wonder woman costume has kind of the whole like stars and stripes look to it (laughs) (laughs) but i really i'm kind of liking the idea of her being for the world as opposed to just one country so if they were to do that in wonder woman 2 i really don't hope they're like she's only for us us americans you know kind of a thing but I, other than that, I really haven't thought much more about what I would like to see in a second Wonder Woman movie. Other than I did notice that since Dr. Poison's still alive, if they bring her back, I really want to hear more about her backstory. Yeah, it is a shame that we didn't get more of her because that's one of the things that I thought about, too, is it's like we get all these characters, but we don't get a whole lot of background, you know, on them. Yeah. And, and, and that really helps with your villains when you... well. No yeah, more. the thing is, too, if she ends up coming back, she might. they might be able to explain that with, you know, well, she's experimenting with gases and stuff and apparently gave the German commander a certain kind of gas to give him strength. So who's not to say that she's going to, like, be able to give herself some sort of, like, life-extending, you know, gases. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with the second one. But I'm just, I will say, if Patty Jenkins is not the director... I think they're gonna. It's gonna be bad. <laughs> well, it's she certainly better, a mistake. She better be the one doing it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean it will be bad, but yeah, it's it's probably it's a mistake. I think. It's the, I mean, I mean, like it'll probably be a bad move on Warner Brothers' part if okay. they chose mm-hmm. that. So, uh, Sam, how about you? Do you think we're gonna get Steve Trevor back in any form, or or and what do you want to see in the the next Wonder Woman? I think if he came back, like if he was like for real back, or it's like some like, oh, you just didn't see that he was saved at the last minute kind of thing by some other whatever. I think that that cheapens his sacrifice and it it, it cheapens what Wonder Woman kind of you know gets from it and everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if he's gonna show up, it's either gonna be, it would either have to be in some kind of a flashback which I don't know how you would really accomplish because we kind of saw the entire interaction between the two of them. So. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe there's some hours that were unaccounted for. Well, um, yeah, I mean, the whole yeah. trip from England to France, we don't see that. She's just at France, so, you know, there was some time there. That's true, sure, why not? Or, or it could go the way of, I've seen this happen in some comics or um, or TV shows where it's like, oh, his genetic lookalike right. or something. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I'm bringing this up is because Chris Pine was supposedly signed for multiple movies, yet he dies at the end of this. So (laughs) I'm like, was that just like, did they just say that so people wouldn't know he dies in this movie? Or are they actually, do they actually have a plan? So I'm just curious what people's thoughts are on that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, any, it's a comic book movie. It's a comic book, a superhero movie. So technically anything's possible. But yeah, I, I just feel like in terms of like the integrity of whatever, you know, of the lessons that Diana learns and what she takes away from that experience, it would, it, I don't think it would be a good call. But again, I'm not running the show there. And yeah, for a sequel, like, there, so Gail Simone's run of uh, Wonder Woman, there's one where she ends up playing host to a cadre of albino gorillas from Gorillas. <laughs> what? I I would not be opposed to that. I would love to see more of the the those kind of comic book elements come into it, but I that's probably wishful thinking on my part. 
also I would love it if she if she has to go back to Themyscira if she either finds a way there or what I like the idea of as I was thinking about this the other day uh, what if more Amazons left the island because they admire what she did Mm. you know and so they're like hey we've we've wanted to leave too and you inspired us to do so and then they meet up with her and then it's like her having to get them into you know uh, acclimated to where they are now you know it's like you could have a whole bunch of other female warriors that she could fight alongside Hmm. yeah that's pretty cool uh, also the girls. <laughs> uh, James, what about you? Do you think we're going to see Tr- Steve Trevor back? And what are your thoughts for Wonder Woman two? All right, so <laughs> I'm going to combine both both of those questions into my one answer. Okay. So Wonder Woman two, Steve Trevor comes back as a Force ghost, <laughs> and then. <laughs> Um, no, I, I I agree with like kind of the general sense of that we maybe see him in like flashbacks or yeah maybe they go like oh I'm his like great 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 nephew and I happen to look just like him like maybe like the, this way hey I don't know if the Flash can screw up the timeline trust me anything's possible <laughs> oh that is true that was one of my other thoughts is I was just like like how did how does Steve Trevor survive so. Barry Allen runs into the past and screws things up yet again. Justice League, like Barry Allen flew back. Right. Wonder point. Oh man. So uh, yeah, I, I think we'll see him like in the flashback sense of things. I don't think we'll see like a permanent return of the exact character or anything. Yeah, I mean, I I I'm okay with the whole like coming to the United States thing um, and kind of like what capacity that happens in and everything. I think that's where I would like to see, like, maybe the end point of the movie to open it up for the possibility of, like, maybe even a third film or or somewhere in the background of whatever future film is, like, after having time in America and seeing, uh, you know, gaining some new perspective or something on things from, you know, the American standpoint of things, moving to I want to go home. I've, I've been away from home for so long, and I know that I was banned, but... I want home um, and, and going and looking for Themyscira. Cause again, that's just, that's a world I want to see. Like, like just, Oh, I just want to see so much more of it from so many different standpoints from, from a combat standpoint. Like I loved everything I was seeing in the background of like how they train and stuff. And I was like, I want to train like that. I'm, <laughs> I'm too weak to train like that, but I want to. <laughs> so yeah, like there were just so many good aspects of it. Um, and I know that like, even from the comics, like there, there's gotta be like inter- other interactions with um, other Amazons and perspectives perspectives and things like that and even the creation of like new writing to explore those perspectives of you know these people that have been away from the world like watching diana's journey was was exciting and entertaining because it was like you know that was the modern thing then and i was like man imagine if she hadn't discovered the outside world till now her (laughs) head would explode um So, yeah, it was just like there were so many things that I really enjoyed about that. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, another Amazon exploring either the modern world or, you know, so many years later or whatever the case. Like, I would love to see them explore a few of those options. You you guys, I think, are a little more optimistic than I am about, you know, uh, Steve Trevor, because I, I feel like that they're going to go for the cliche, I'm his great, great grandchild or whatever, <laughs> you know, that happens to look just like him. Because, you know, he said, I've been with many women or whatever the line is or whatever. Um, so very, very possibly he could have, a, have had a kid. 
and you know so there could be a line to present day and so she can have the whole you know like oh you look just like my former love kind of thing and so i'm just i'm just kind of nervous about that because you know they did sign him for a multi-picture deal and i don't trust hollywood at all but, but nathan what what if like her trying to get back to Themyscira becomes like this kind of odyssey type journey mm. like and then she has to go through the sticks and mm. there's steve and he's waiting for it he's like diana save me <laughs> You know, I would love it. I would love it, but it seems like from them killing off the gods that they don't want to go a mythology route, but I would absolutely love going full mythology with a Wonder Woman, too. That's what I was going to talk about. Is that I would, seems pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I would love to see a whole, like, mythology mixed with modern times kind of story. What, what if, you know, some of the classic Greek you know, creatures were loose in the world or some of the Greek heroes were still alive or anything like that would be interesting and I think could be a really awesome movie. So I I would love to do that just to give Wonder Woman a different flavor, you know, from the other DC heroes beyond the fact that, you know, there's the Zack Snyder grimdark because hopefully other directors and other movies will go different directions. But, you know, I'd love for that to be Wonder Woman's thing if she deals with like the mythology. You know, uh, and so that's that's what I would hope for. I don't know if we're going to get that, but that's that's what I would like to see. To write a draft now, submit it to Warner Brothers, and be yeah. like, "Look, <laughs> we got our thumb on the pulse of what people want." You know, I still would love to do like rewrites of some of the movies they've already done because a lot of them, like Suicide Squad, it feels like it had all the right elements. If they had just been rejuggled a little bit, I could have made like a great movie out of that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, no, I th- I think that was a pretty good discussion. Does anyone have anything that they're just burning to say on the Wonder Woman topic? There's one thing I did notice I really, really liked, just really quick, which okay, was sure. the role switch. So, like, I read an article about this where the guy wrote and he made a really good point, which was, you know, in a lot of, like, action spy-y kind of movies and stuff, like, we always see, like, we typically see, like, the woman is the honeypot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's the one who, like, seduces the villain to gain information to get to the ultimate villain kind of thing. And the fact that that didn't happen in this movie for her, it was actually a role reversal where they kind of tried to do that with Steve, where, like, he tries to seduce Dr. Poison, right. and then he <laughs> sees... Diana like looks at her like oh my god and then Dr. Poison sees right through his I thought that was perfect I was just like I love everything about this right now this is so good I I just read an article recently I'm sorry I'm just going to do this real quick uh, where they were talking about women you need to stop talking about wanting to put swords down your back you're going to hurt yourselves it's going to be bloody Out of all the costume choices in that movie, that one I was like, "Why?" (laughs) It was tested. Like this, this gal actually, you know, took a sword and put it down. uh, Used her like old like wedding dress or something like that. She's like, "No, it's actually possible. You can do that." (laughs) Like proven science. Oh (laughs) yeah. Oh man. But uh, did anyone else have anything that they uh, were burning to say on the Wonder Woman? It's it's worth your time. Go see it many times and. And it's it's so great. It's just good. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we would all agree with that, right? That this is a movie that everyone should see. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. spend all the money. Right. Like just throw dollars at it. <laughs> just just go through a revolving door and just keep on going into the movie theater. Just more tickets. <laughs>
Right. <laughs> Throw your change at it. <laughs> it was funny, actually. That that was my theory. That's why I went twice on opening weekend and then the week after and convinced my husband and, and sister and brother-in-law to come too. But it was so funny because my, my sister, my middle sister, the one who doesn't really care about movies at all, was like, why are you in, in why are you in my the other sister why are you guys going opening weekend like why are you going thursday night like the day it opens we're like we don't think you understand how vital this movie is to the future of filmmaking <laughs> yeah. i am so happy it's above 500 million dollars already i mean if you look at compare this to the drop-off that batman v superman had which had a better opening weekend but mm-hmm. you know that was all in pre-sales once word of mouth spread that movie tanked like really yeah. quick. Oh yeah. Um, um, well, like this last weekend, uh, Wonder Woman only had a thirty-five percent drop, right. and the Mummy had a sixty-nine percent drop. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, biggest mistake that movie made is not casting Tom Cruise as the Mummy. So <laughs> 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 we can watch him die. <laughs> well, also because he's an unnaturally preserved actor. Who's way mm. past his time. So I thought the whole meta sense of him being the mummy makes way more sense. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. So I, I, I really enjoyed this, guys. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yay. Thanks. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks for having us. Uh, no Thank problem. And, and so now let's say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Sabri, why don't we start with you? Sure. Uh, everyone can find me at on Twitter. I'm just at BriBrower.com. If you like uh, geek businesses and geeky entrepreneurs and all that cool stuff, my blog is geekandprosper.com. All right. Thanks, Bri. And I realize you've got to run, but uh, once again, thank you for taking the time to, to do this episode with us. Yes, thanks for having me. I will see you guys next time. All right, take care. Bye, All right, James, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. So long, farewell. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you guys can find me um, always on the Facebook uh, and on the Twitters under uh, at Roman on the Rocks or Facebook.com slash Roman on the Rocks. You can find my page there. New content is coming. It got delayed because I need to talk to my editing guy, and that's fun. So uh, as soon as I talk to him, uh, content will be coming because I'll be doing just some quick edits myself to get some stuff just out and out there. But otherwise, yeah, that's where you can find me, and occasionally uh, here on this cast, as well as occasionally doing a cast with uh, Sam here. So I'm all over. Yeah, are, are you your own editing guy, James, or, or is there really another guy? No, like so there is another guy. He's like a, like he went to school and graduated with a degree in sound editing. He's like, I would look forward to this, and I was like, I need it by the beginning of June, and I don't have it. So we're well uh, past that. Okay, so soon I will be my own editing guy. I, I was just wondering if you were having a conversation with yourself. I, I haven't drank that much yet. Okay. <laughs> that is also possible, though. Right. But yeah, thanks for uh, for coming on, James. You bet. All right, Sam, uh, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Bye, everybody. You can find me on Twitter at Darling underscore Sammy, uh, S-A-M-M-Y. I also have a Twitter handle for the podcast for That Girl with the Curls, but I'm, I'm not using it as much as I really should. So I'm, I'm trying to be better about managing multiple accounts. And uh, yeah, so you can just go find the podcast either on SoundCloud, um, That Girl with the Curls, or uh, iTunes. And then I have the Facebook page for That Girl with the Curls as well. And uh, yeah, like I said, I think at the top of the show, I should have an article over at Women Write About Comics. 
that will maybe be the start of a new series about uh, deconstructing Pretty Deadly. So if you're interested in me overanalyzing things, you should go and check that. <laughs> or they can just listen to every time you're on this podcast or your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 again, I can't recommend enough James and me talking about Batman versus <laughs> Superman for three hours. It's so good. I need to There's go so back and anger. listen to that one because I, I missed it when it came out. And I, I need to go back because that oh, sounds man. like a lot it's of fun. Totally <laughs> worth your time. Um, it's, and also it's the, what happens after i just saw the movie and i text sam and i'm like we need to cast about this now oh. right now <laughs> oh i thought you guys saw it together no <laughs> <laughs> like he saw it the day after i did but i was still mad so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but yes sam it's so great to have you back on the show and uh oh pleasure really enjoyed talking with you about wonder woman Oh, you can also uh, go check out uh, That Girl with the Curls, my Wonder Woman episode that I did with my friends Rachel and Caitlin, the, basically like an hour after we saw the movie. So, <laughs> Yeah, I actually just listened to that one before I did this. So. Oh, what did, you, what did you think of that one? I, I thought it was really good. I just felt like you're, I, I'm not sure which friend it is, but the one who kept taking issue with things that to me were just kind of made sense based on Diana just experiencing things for the first time, but she had a problem with like her liking ice cream and liking ba- the baby and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I was like, you're just a little too harsh, you know, about this movie. I, I, I can I can agree with it on one level. On the other level, the conditioning that women kind of had towards w- what we're looking for in, in movies is a little more skewed. So mm. I, I understand where she's coming from with it. Oh, sure. Um, certainly. Certainly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you guys were having a blast talking about it. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, some of the tangents and stuff were really funny on it. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud of Wolverine. So. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it was fun. So, yeah, I, I recommend if, if you're listening to this podcast, yeah, go listen to that one, too, because uh, it was it was a, a fun listen. Yay! So that puts an end to our Wonder Woman podcast. We'd really like to know what you think about it, and there's a bunch of ways that you can get in touch with us to let us know. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at at 42cast. You can also contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. Or you can leave comments and reviews and Stitcher Radio or iTunes or at our website, which is 42cast.com. I'd also like to remind everybody about the Tee Public website, that's T-T-E-E-Public.com, where there are shirts for the 42Cast, as well as for other programs on the ESO network. You can also get things like mugs and tote bags just by clicking on the shirt with the 42Cast logo on it, so check that out. There's a link on the show notes for episode 19, so if you go to 42Cast.com, that'll bring you there, or you can go to T. T-E-E, public, one word, dot com. And then just search for the ESO uh, Network shirts. So join us back here next week when Melissa Benoist will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You've been listening to the 42 Cast, copyright 2017. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. And now for some outtakes.
I, I had a lot of fun talking about Wonder Woman with you guys because uh, it was nice to talk about a DC movie that we all liked. Right? Oh my god. <laughs> it, and could quite possibly be the only DC movie that we all liked. <laughs> I know. Every time, every time somebody tells me about all these movies DC's coming out with, like, you know we're getting Gotham City Sirens and we're getting a Batgirl and everything else, I'm like, they can't even get the Flash out, which had a date. You know, that was supposed to end. And everything after Aquaman is basically now like TBA. So I don't believe anything. Certainly, I I think Wonder Woman's done well enough that a Wonder Woman 2 is almost certain to happen. Oh, But yeah, I mean, I I don't know what we're going to... I mean, even Justice League 2, which was one of the ones they announced, uh, is now a TBA. So who knows what's going to happen. Um, well, like it's hard to carry over a part two when you've got other movies in between part one and part two. It's like, that's just stupid. <laughs> right. Well, they always said that it wasn't going to be like one leads directly into the other, that it was just, you know, the second, you know, Justice League. But it's like, you don't even know how people are going to respond to the first one. So why yeah. would you have a second one already scheduled? Like, uh, if that's the second one, you guys have a funny way of labeling things because part two implies that it's part two of a continuing story, which I don't believe it will be. Right. <laughs> and. And if you're going to do a serialized version like that, usually one follows the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm it's worried. Like ESPN Deocho. Yeah. <laughs> yep. James, I think you're the only guy that refers to the ESPN Deocho <laughs> other than me. <laughs> I love dodgeball. That's like. <laughs> oh my God. Have you seen the new ad by Omaze? It's like a fundraising ad for, like, you can donate to either the the co the like the team cobras or the average joes oh and really? if you win like it goes to it goes to all the money goes to charity but if you win you get a go for whoever you sided with and play dodgeball against the other team so i was like oh my god i've never wanted to throw money at something so much i don't know why but i want to play dodgeball that's awesome <laughs> you just want to listen to ben stiller all day I really do. Like, if I could just hear him say, nobody makes me bleed my own blood, one time. <laughs> one time. So good. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... <laughs> I gotta see that now. Because, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love dodgeball. And my wife and I talk about the Ocho all the time whenever we're talking about, like, sports <laughs> that, like, aren't really, like, the A-list sports. You know? Like, it's probably on the on Ocho. on ESPN de Ocho. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I'm, I don't think we're gonna have this same level of positivity after Justice League comes out. Nope. A- as much as the previews, I think for Justice League look a lot better than the previews for Batman v Superman. I I've been down that road before with three Star Wars prequels. Um, <laughs> you know, that each time the trailers were wonderful. I was like, this is it. This is when they figure it out. You know, the first one I was really hyped for. Then the second one, I was like, okay, no, they figured it out this time because I can tell from the trailers it's gonna be great. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Then the third one, I'm like, okay, no, they figured it out this time. And so, yeah, no, I don't trust trailers anymore. <laughs> this time he'll have personality. I know he will. <laughs> this time they won't kill so many people. Oh, no. <laughs> That's my one problem, um, getting back to superheroes with superhero movies in general, is that they kill off the villains, like, way too much. Like, I would have liked Ares to have survived wonder woman and been a reoccurring figure you know Mm -hmm. because and that's an easy villain to do because you can always say well he's a god so he can like reshape himself however he wants to so you can even cast different actors for each movie so that's a surprise who is aries you know each time 
Well, it's like just even having, giving, you know, Wonder Woman the the possibility of meeting up with other gods. I mean, Mm -hmm. you, with the potential of a sequel, I mean, you can start establishing a more, like, mythologically centered, quote, you know, real world or whatever. So, I I like the idea of her finding, like, underground mythology stuff. Like, maybe she just runs into (laughs) Dionysus or something. Right. Yeah, I mean, I always like that kind of thing. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I still watch Once Upon a Time, despite the fact that it's been disappointing from a writing standpoint, is I like that idea (laughs) of mythology or fairy tales or whatever in the modern setting, and how would that that change things? How would they interact with the things that we have in our modern world, stuff like that? I mean, The Librarians is another great example Mm -hmm. of that, um, you know, of, of bringing mythology into modern times, so... Um, yeah, I still need to catch up on that. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you do, we can do a podcast on it, because that's the problem. I have one other friend who I can do that with, and I'm like, if I could just have a second friend. <laughs> you a podcast I just need it. a second <laughs> friend! <laughs> oh, for a second friend. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the one thing. You know, there's that, there's that scene they show in Justice League, the trailer, uh, where, you know, like, uh, Bruce does the whole thing to prove that Barry's the Flash, where he throws the Batarang. And, but in, through that same scene, one of the trailers is like, Barry's like, I just want to have friends. And it's like, this to me tells me that they want emo Flash. You know, he's this mopey guy who just wants friends. You know, and that's... just That's not the Flash. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Can can somebody just come out and tell us, like, just straight up, like, this is a different multiverse version of these heroes. Just say that. And then I can be like, oh, so all the f***s are just, like, for that reason. Got it. Okay, I'm good. (laughs) Well, I think you can take it that way if you want to anyway. I just want Bruce uh, to come in at one point and be like, oh shoot, timeline's messed up, gotta fix it, bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then if Blue they... Beetle have their buddy comedy, and then... <laughs> well, I mean, even when you get, like, you know, uh, uh, you get Ben Affleck, which for him, Batman's a passion project, right? And then you mm-hmm. hear him talking about, uh, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore, I'm going to step down as director... You know, yeah. you might not even want to, like, play Batman anymore and everything else. So it's like, DC, like, Warner is doing something, you know, that just, it's turning off everyone, you know, to do to doing these properties. And they keep doing that. They're not going to have movies because they won't be able to get any talent to do them. Also true. <laughs> and, and at some point, something's got to give where they either have to just back out of doing DC superhero movies or they've got to have a regime change or something because they're never going to get what Marvel has until they get the right people in place. I'm just saying they've always, they've always got a last ditch option, which is that they get Nicholas Cage to play every (laughs) hero in their universe. Because how is he in that movie? God damn it, James. That's a probably a distinct possibility, though. I think Nicolas Cage would come. Nope. Hey, you know. <laughs> it's like the furthest I think we can get is they're just like, you know what? Nick Cage, you're playing all the roles. You're just all the heroes now. You know, I, I never liked the idea of Nick Cage as Superman, but he sold me on the fact that he could do Batman from his role in Kick-Ass. <laughs> Where I was like, that could have been Batman, and that would have worked. <laughs> Speak of Thomas Wayne. Right. We can, we can Thomas Wayne. 
Oh, God. Yeah, I've heard people say that they want, like, a Flashpoint movie. Uh, have Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the Thomas Wayne Batman. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Do not want. <laughs> the further away from point we can get the better <laughs> or maybe warner will just announce we're gonna do new 52 the movies we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna put out 52 movies all in the same month <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah, i think i'd start to go fund me to like fund my like medical bills for uh, like how much i would just bang my head into a brick wall <laughs> <laughs> 52 movies with the with the budget of one <laughs> that's how they could but they see that's a marketing model they haven't tried yet if they're all a bunch of really low budget movies then their return on investment then they don't need a lot of people to come to see them to make a profit it's true. Well, see, that, that, that they should be taking that lesson from Deadpool. That's like for a superhero movie that has a very small budget, and mm. they still manage to make a good movie. Right. You know. Well, and there are heroes that are, that's a great idea to do it with. I mean, like you could do like a Green Arrow movie, and that doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like a two hundred fifty million dollar blockbuster. You, know, you could give yeah. a Green Arrow movie a modest budget, and as long as it's good, you know, people will go to yeah, see it. Yeah, shoots arrows for crying out loud. What more do you need to, like, amp up here? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Marvel needs to learn that lesson, too. I mean, Marvel right now, though, is banking on that Netflix deal as, well, we can put the characters that we would consider as low-budget, lower-budget characters in Netflix, <laughs> you know, and have them do just, like, a 13-episode series, which is fine. Because I think that they're doing a good job with that, but I still think I would, there's still characters I'd like to see in the movies, you know, that would lend themselves to, uh, you know, they don't have to be big two hundred million dollar blockbuster kind of thing. So, well, that's something I've always wanted in in like that piece of the franchise where like they have the stuff on Netflix or they have the stuff, you know, Agents of Shield and all that. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to see like some sort of re crossover because like I watch Agents of Shield and I see all of this that goes down and i'm like how does somebody on the avengers team not know that phil colson is still alive Mm. how have they not figured that out right now (laughs) well and that's uh, the problem marvel wants it to be like one universe so they don't contradict each other but the people who run the tv show division and the people who run the movie division don't like each other so there's no (laughs) crossover it's just oh, I know it's, like... it's the DC series <laughs> issue. It's like the movie people don't talk to the animation people. The animation people don't talk to the comic people, and the comic people just don't talk to anybody. So nobody's getting any efficient work done at DC. It's all just whatever they want it to be. Except for Jeff Johns, who now is in charge of everything. So I'm Jeff Johns. I am the Jesus of DC. Go away, please. Just, please just Jeff go. Johns, I'm going to have everyone explain exactly what they're feeling right now. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, nuance. <laughs> Ambiguity, okay. kick you out the window. <laughs> this has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. 